Hi, my name is Andrew Bolton, and this is the Pros and Content Podcast. I'm the Chief Client Officer here at Notch, and on the Pros and Content Podcast, we'll be featuring a series of truly remarkable content leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance of measurement, scalability, and the optimization of content. Our content leader today is Mark Appel, the Managing Director of Global Brand Content at Accenture, a professional services company that really does it all. Thanks to their wide range of clients and partners, Accenture requires a tremendous amount of content. Mark and his team diligently survey every business line to find hidden connections among them. He observes how content built for one vertical can impact or assist another, simplify messaging overall, and educate audiences. Mark also discusses getting buy-in from the larger business and how he's worked to establish benchmarks early and often. Doing so, he's able to create content, curate brand voice, and empower every person within Accenture. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mark Appel. Today, I am joined by Mark Appel, who's the Director of Global Brand Content at Accenture. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me, Andrew. So, uh, excited to have you on the show today uh, for a multitude of reasons. Um, you know, you're certainly a respected content leader um, at a pretty uh, major brand that's been going through a lot of transitions over the past uh, couple weeks. Um, but first, I want to dig into your background, um, because you spent a lot of time on the agency side of things and then have transitioned successfully um, to working on the brand side of things. Uh, if you could just get a little bit of feedback of your journey, um, your experiences um, in, in that transition, I think that'd be really helpful because I think there's a lot of people in the audience that have um, either aspirations to do something similar or are in the midst of doing that same type of a transition. Yeah, sure, sure thing. Um, you know, it's it's been um, coming up on almost five years at Accenture, um, and you know, in the agency world, I was there for about fifteen plus years, uh, three different agencies, variety of clients, uh, predominantly large size clients. So it, it did help with some of the familiarity with with how big clients operate. Um, you know, I think the biggest shift coming as an account person at an agency to uh, you know, brand side content role is just the the scale that you are dealing with is completely different. Um, and and I, I know it's probably pretty familiar territory, small company moving to big company. Um, but you know, it just you don't really realize all the the pieces. Um, you know, as an account person, you you sort of run a let's let's assume a small business within an agency. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of autonomy uh, in, in most cases as, as, you know, as a senior account person uh, to drive you know, profitability. Uh, you've given mar margin targets and, and revenue targets and uh, you know, guiding clients on, on strategy along with the various expert disciplines that you can bring to the table. But when you get to the client side, uh, you're building models um, and you are operating uh, you know at a scale that requires you to think very differently so you know again we're a company of 500,000 people plus you know coming from a group of you know 20 or 30 upwards of a couple hundred um, and the role of technology and process transformation and change management and internal people comms is such a big part of the job that you just don't really um, get into as much on the agency side. So, you know, my, my account buddy making that shift is, you know, understand that, that, you know, part of the challenge of moving 
to a brand is, is you need to be able to educate those folks along the way, um, give them and empower them with the process of tech and tools and everything else. It's not just about the uh, sizzly external marketing impact that you can make. Mm-hmm. Those are those big issues, big issues that we saw when I first came in and, and, you know, again, very large, um, task that is sort of your second day job. And, and what, what drew you to Accenture? What, what drew you to that challenge? Yeah. I mean, I think, it, you know, you, there's a, there's a cap at an agency that you get to, right. I mean, there's a small company, there's, you, you get to a certain point and there's only so many, um, positions, right. That you, you can advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there gets to be a point where, you know, the impact you can make, um, you know, becomes, uh, limited to the, the scale of the, either the clients you're at, uh, or, or working on rather, or the, um, you know, the agency's capabilities. And I think one thing I love about Accenture, not to make this about <laughs> our company the whole time, um, is that no, the- you can make this a commercial for Accenture all day long. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's quite fine, you know? You wouldn't be doing your job if you weren't doing it. Yeah, that's true. This is a recruiting trip. Oh, and it's exactly <laughs> is uh, is really just the the breadth of of what not only do we offer and, and sell as a company, um, but the amount of disciplines and expertise across so many different areas um, that you know my background's digital agencies where you know you don't really get a chance to to learn about or um, you know act uh, within. Uh, so, you know, just the, the, the education and the learning and the, um, sort of breadth of what you get to touch is, is, is amazing. Uh, also, you know, as we transitioned over the, the, the technology side of it, and again, you can tell I'm, I'm a tool geek and a, and a tech geek from back in the day, <laughs> computers and things like that. Um, so, you know, when, when I think about the, the background of the company, you know, first business computer in 1951 for GE till now, it's really been, you know, I wanted to be at a company where, where, where technology was a big part of it at the forefront, you know, really pushing the boundaries. So, you know, we do that obviously for our clients, but, you know, now over the last several years in marketing, um, we've really started to, to increase the emphasis of, of how technology can play a role. So that's really been a big appeal for me as well. So that makes sense. Uh, I'm curious with such a large organization, and you mentioned it that you've got all these different disciplines um, internally that uh, are tr- you know producing what I would assume is a tremendous amount of content. How does your team work with uh, those groups to make sure that a there isn't duplicative efforts, um, but b that the the voice is uh, cohesive coming through and it's on the Accenture brand and isn't being you know, broken off into a bunch of separate different silos. Yep. Great question. Um, you know, obviously a big problem at, at the bigger the company, the bigger the problem. Um, so there's a few ways that we can do that. And, and, you know, my team of seven is, is, uh, you know, not the, uh, final decider on a lot of this stuff, right? We are a big influencer and glue group. And, and a lot of what we do is help do that dot connecting. Um, but in, in a few ways we're helping sort of think about them, the single messages, um, in some cases, we're actually the org- the group that's executing, and that's easy, right? Mm-hmm. Working with one of the service line owners on a big thought leadership campaign, and uh, you know, my team in partnership with our internal creative agency um, is 
literally, you know, crafting the messages and, and doing that. Um, but the other function that my group serves is we have a view um, with new processes and tools behind it um, into every piece that gets produced. Um, so we can look at that um, along with a, a group of other folks that are representatives from different parts of the org. Um, and we get together and we've committed to a weekly cadence of reviewing pieces and making sure that the messages um, don't have that duplication. Or if they do, we connect the two owners of those pieces of content or those thought leadership pieces to say, hey, you guys need to get together on this thing. Um, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's conflict in, in message or it's a, hey, I think together you guys could be more efficient and go out with one piece with maybe a version or something like that. Um, we serve that role as well. In terms of the brand voice, um, now we, we do have you know, obviously everybody's got their brand voice standards and, and everything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my group plays a role in sort of a, a certain layer of the content. Again, we only have seven people, um, but we get uh, a group of champions from across the org in each entity together. Um, and we, we create a forum for discussion. We've got a whole Microsoft team around this um, and we meet regularly to sort of keep everybody connected so that, you know, if they want to, spot review of something because they're just not sure send it in mm -hmm. if you know they have a question we just you know ping an answer back um, but generally i think you know uh, we've gone from a very distributed uh, responsibility to slightly more centralized but with distributed responsibility still yeah i think that's yeah. why between some of the tools and the processes we have now you know at least getting the visibility into the volume and the, the vast array is, is sort of where we're playing right now. Yeah, there's so many um, content teams that, that I speak with that struggle with that, which is we know that there's tons of content being created. Sometimes it's different um, parts of the organization. Sometimes it's different regions. Um, how do we make sure that we are keeping our brand message uh, cohesive, but then also um enabling those teams to not like run into this like procedural buzzsaw of having to send everything through like a million types of reviews and revisions and, and so on and so forth so um you know with these large global companies with you know you said you've got five hundred thousand employees um it's not a small feat to to put those kind of controls um in process and it sounds or in place i should say and it sounds like you've done a, a good job uh, yeah and i think in, those. you know one particular set of content um, we do actually have a standard editorial review process and board um, that sits uh, you know across those pieces so as we think about the pieces of content that are meant to help really define and drive our brand for you know the coming years and, and what we stand for this group gets and, and is actually, you know, comprised of business leaders, not just marketers, uh, and our research organization. And we, we have sort of this magic triangle <laughs> that we bring together, um, you know, along with, with other folks that, that need to be represented. And, and we do a, a, a true editorial review. Um, we have a consistent, you know, for that um, top, I'm making up top five, top 10%. Um, that go through that. And then everything else, we provide the tools and guidance and processes to help them be successful. Do those content assets almost act as a bit of a North Star then for the different uh, business lines or service lines to kind of look at and say, okay, like this is what the stance is, or this is the positioning and how do I kind of riff off of that? 
Yeah, you could look at it that way for sure. I think, you know, there's, it's not every piece. Um, some of them are sort of uh, the, the North Star, you know, we, we have those types and then there's others that mm-hmm. are critical because of the time that we're in, um, you know, that, that makes sense uh, that we want to put increased emphasis on the quality and the connectiveness across uh, all of our different service lines. Yeah, and that idea of the the North Star is actually a, a nice transition to the other topic I wanted to get to, which is um, how has COVID impacted uh, your business, your team? But more specifically, I know that there's been a lot of work done um, on the brand side at Accenture um, with new strategy, purpose, expression. Uh, take us through that and, and, and what has that process been like and how has the content team uh really fed into that? Yeah, sure. You know, I think, you know, so for those of you that know it, we, we, our past brand campaign was something called new applied now. And that was really focused uh, on the idea that, that, you know, innovation is, is not something you do in spots. It, It needs to be always constantly applied to, to grow your business, be competitive, et cetera, whatever outcome you need to have. Right. And, you know, innovation obviously becomes <laughs> over time. You hear that word enough, and you just want to not talk about it anymore. <laughs> but you know, I think what was interesting um, is clients mm-hmm. were clearly interested in in innovating themselves. Um, but what we heard, and, and and as we knew we were gearing up to to roll out something new, um, and got client input, and our CEO Julie Sweet, uh, you know, was was really pushing hard on this. Is what really is keeping clients up at night. Um, and it really was about this idea of change. So innovation is a means to that, but there are lots of ways to that, right? So we got to the current highest level messaging um, sort of independently, but then as COVID came up, this actually just validated that that was what CEOs at, at large companies were struggling with. It's not that they didn't know they needed to do it. It's that they didn't know how. And so it just reinforced the messaging that we were already down the path of, which was actually great. Um, but then once we got that validation, we turned our attention to, all right, so what topics are keeping clients up at night around how to change? And so we used, um, you know, we had a, a topic-based strategy that um, existed before, but when COVID hit, some of those topics clearly shifted. Um, I think everybody knows cloud is important to the world at this point, right? How do you dominate in those topics where your clients are really focused. So, you know, the business came back and said, these are sort of our new, new priorities. You know, there's a set of them. Obviously I can't talk about them, but we have them. the important part, right? Cause now our whole organization lends against those yeah. topics in a really meaningful way, all the way from sales, sorry, marketing to sales and, and internal and everything else in between. Um, so that was, that was a great thing to, for, as a marketer, you know, especially at a big organization, trying to prioritize your investments and everything else. So that that's been fantastic. Um, the last thing, though, that I, and and actually this is where uh, you know our content team specifically was heavily um, involved was really around the operational approach to content. So, you know, our business set the sort of topic strategy with input from marketing communications. Um, to make sure that there were topics that resonated market that, you know, obviously we have search volume that we can, can address and, and many other sort of factors, but 
when it came to actually producing, um, you know, we had under fire developed a whole new rapid content production process with a whole new set of tools um, and a whole new team to, to, you know, op- to really get our content production into the right place at a consistent level of quality, um, giving visibility to everybody so they knew what was coming. And those were very simple things that we did, but you know, it was by necessity. I think what's happened now, which is really interesting, is we've taken everything we've learned from that and everything we've learned from what happened before, and we're now in the process of rolling out a whole new um, approach to thought leadership and, and points of view, uh, inclusive, uh, and working with our Accenture research organization on new methods of research and how we get more rapid, more agile, um, take into account more of our, our client needs than, than ever before. So it's, it's been really um, amazing to see. And uh, our team has been with a, a you know, support group as well, um, sort of leading the charge on, on reinventing that. And you mentioned this uh, you know, ramping up of a, of a rapid content uh, production uh, machine, as it were. When you're creating content at a higher pace um, or even more a more focused pace, what are the feedback metrics or the feedback mechanisms that you look at to a understand, hey, are we moving in the right direction? And then maybe more importantly, and I think that something a lot of the content teams that again I talk to struggle with is how do we report back success because in some cases, content teams are serving different masters with different priorities. Um, and content can be used in such a vast number of ways from very upper funnel, uh, awareness of perception all the way down to, you know, something that's much more demand gen around specific product or services. How do you juggle that, those priorities and, and what are some of those metrics that you're looking to looking at to make sure that you're moving in the right direction? Yeah. Um, so great question and a hundred percent agree. We're, we're always caught in the middle. Um, I think what was great about the COVID experience was that, you know, we had not just the marketing input into what was important from a, you know, this needs to engage people. We had the business input as well. Um, And so that was a conscious effort between the marketing and the business to really not only establish that set of things early, um, both on the topic side that we thought were important, but also, you know, I mean, literally down to what does the, the I hate to say it, the PowerPoint, you know, one pager look like <laughs> and what are the things that I care about? And, and we actually iterated that with them a, a couple different times until we got to a place where they're like, yeah, this is starting to feel good. Um, and that was the thing I think that, you know, again, we, we established this early, ugly, often um, cadence with our business leaders that I think was incredibly important um, to establish right away uh, because they didn't, you know, again, as a, as a marketer reporting to a business, you know, and serving that business and them funding our, our marketing, you know, it was incredibly important to make them feel part of the process. Right. And so mm-hmm. they had the input, we iterated it. We were meeting literally weekly with some of our, our global management committee members um, and we got to a place again, it was over the course of maybe four weeks, um, where, you know, yes, the awareness stuff, the awareness metrics and all that is important. Um, and then we can start to look at, you know, how we're comparing with our competitors in terms of the, uh, 
you know, share a voice and, and, and how much content is produced and what topics are we're producing against, but then looking all the way down and, and the business leads obviously are trying to understand, are these topics resonating in terms of, you know, projects and, and bookings? Uh, and so, you know, the challenge, at least for us is, you know, with an 18 month sales cycle is how do you, <laughs> how do you reconcile, you know, COVID is happening now, our, our clients need to change dramatically and what they need to change is everything. So how do we, how do we yeah. that's of a piece of content? <laughs> so, so a lot of it is, you know, did we get meetings? Did we get, um, you know, all, you know, some of those the sales and, and client account lead engagements with it. Uh, we even looked at how interesting was this to, to our internal audiences, you know, did they pick it up when we, when we dropped into the, uh, the internal sites? Um, and, and got their their engagement. Were they engaged? Did they think it was going to matter to their clients? Um, so it was really interesting to see. We, we looked at all stages of sort of, I don't want to use a funnel, but the funnel. Um, and we tried mm -hmm. to pick out, th let's very simple, like two or three metrics that were most important for this one sheeter that we, we pushed up to the business. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. It's taking a lot of different... Um feedback sources. And, and I like the idea of going out to your actual employees um, and saying like, hey, is this, is this going to move the needle for your clients? Uh, do you do much in the way of employee communication? Or where do you start and stop on that from 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 your team's perspective? Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably different in different organizations. But um, my team generally is working on sort of core content, and then we have an entire people communications organization that then looks at that and we work with, but they ultimately execute um, and activate and determine the activation internally. Um, so, you know, if we're working on, you know, piece of thought leadership, um, you know, we're executing the sort of quote global piece. And then we bring in experts from the different channels or, or others to help us activate that version it. Again, I've got seven people on my team, so it's, it's that's actually a good question. Like, you've got seven people. What are the what are those roles? What are the roles and responsibilities? Um, how does that how's that broken up? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, again, we 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 tend to form um, communities of practice around certain types of content that are critical to the organization um, and lead the execution of the the sort of highest priority pieces. So create bucket, right? Um, we have a uh, curation function that we provide uh, around certain channels, uh, like our the homepage content on, on, on Accenture.com and, and other things that sort of cover at the, uh, an objective of driving a brand metric, right? That help reinforce a brand metric and raise our brand. Mm -hmm. And then the last bucket is, the, is, is this empower bucket uh, and, and that's where we, you know, provide global strategy, uh, best practices, communities of practice, guidebooks, uh, all kinds of stuff that really, in a distributed org, um, you know, make it easier for them to do their jobs. So it's it's sort of a mix um, of, of different pieces. Uh, as an example, I have a, a you know a managing editor of blogs, and you know we produce a blog for our internal. Uh, audiences across all of marketing, and she runs that. But she's also helping craft global blog strategy. 
She's also helping establish processes and tools and, and runs a community of practice around all the blog marketers that, that sit inside the organization. Similarly, we have that for thought leadership. Um, and there's other sort of areas that we also tackle as well. Um, and then the last bit within the create bucket is we have a, a couple of people that are tasked with content innovation. So, you know, they look at formats, uh, you know, different ways of distrib distributing content and, and things like that. And they, they sort of sit within and partner with other groups um, so that they can, you know, essentially pilot new, new things. On that note of, of distribution, because I think that's another uh, hot topic, specific, specific, uh, specifically during COVID times, is what have you seen from changes in consumption behavior um, that you've met with different distribution strategies or, or, or tactics? Um, curious to see what your team has experienced um, as far as that, that change in behavior of, of how, are you, how, are your, how is your audience receiving content? Since COVID or just in over, I'm just curious. I would say if COVID has had any impact or if there's just been a trend over the past couple of years that has either accelerated or, or has changed, changed course. I'm just curious. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, you know, our target, just thinking about our target first, um, they're, you know, generally at C suite and C minus two or three is, is for on the client side. Um, but we also mm -hmm an enormous recruitment marketing goal um, that we have to hit every year. And um, I, you know, my team isn't as involved on that side, um, but that's a, that's a huge percentage of our audience, as you can imagine. Um, I would say consumption on, you know, and, and how we're matching that uh, with the client side audiences um, definitely has, well, clearly has shifted. I mean, we used to be the company you would see in the airports, right? We were the guys that you would pass yep. billboard and and run a lot of a <laughs> lot of lot of good airport ads, a lot of good airport ads. Right. <laughs> so so clearly we've shifted, um, you know, to digital channels uh, quite a bit more. Um, but you know, there's been a lot of discussion, and as you'll probably see us now. We're we're back on TV, um, and so it, it's actually a really interesting um, distribution uh, discussion happening. Um, you know, our our paid team and our, and our uh, media team are, are, you know, obviously driving that, but, um, from a consumption standpoint, you know, we're seeing, and I'll just talk to thought leadership, you know, as much as we hate to say the PDF should be dead, it's, it's kind of not, um, it's really interesting with people at home too. Right. Um, you know, you would, mm. you know, pattern before was you'd see X people get to your website and then I'm, this is not a real number. A tenth of them would download the PDF, right? Mm -hmm. And and that number, even with people at home, um, you know, not clear whether that's really shifted all that much. Um, you know, we hmm. do our best to engage people as much as we can without a download. Um, obviously, people are listening to a lot more audio these days, so we're you know obviously pushing out into that space as well. Um, how do we how do we capture that share of year? Um, but yeah, I think general consumption is just trended similarly, and I don't know that it's that we've seen a huge change because of COVID. That's interesting. The PD, the PDF insight is is especially interesting because I think that yeah, I mean PDFs feel like they should go the way of the dinosaur, but there are many people that that's the way they like to consume their content. They they want to 
they want to download it and hopefully they're not all printing them out. Um, but hopefully they're, you know, they're reading them, reading them on their, on the, you know, an iPad or some sort of a, of a more, uh, uh, environmentally friendly method, um, than printing them out. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting challenge for B2B marketers who have always relied on the PDF and want to get more data, but they know that, well, if we can download it and get in people's hands, like maybe we'll figure out like how that has to your point earlier connected to a deal a little bit further down the road or to a meeting or whatever that outcome may be, you know? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for some of our partners, um, and actually we, we, we learned this, uh, a little bit from you guys, a little plug for notch here. Um, we did, no, thank you. <laughs> we, we, we did, um, see that, uh, a lot of our publisher partners, a lot of the, the sort of, engagement um, is coming in and you know we're if you think about our typical client they're they're sitting at a desk right with a laptop um, but we're seeing because of some of our publisher partners um, really getting a lot of their traffic from from the facebook's and the twitters and the, the linkedin's that a lot of what we see in paid is is coming in through mobile as well so that's been an interesting hmm. pdfs do not zoom very well on mobile they do not. And so, you know, how do you, how do you craft web experiences and other um, experiences to help sort of really get your content into their hands, which is, has been interesting to see uh, that sort of shift. For those paid programs, then, have you been, have, have you been shifting the, the formats at all to more video-based or things that are more mobile-friendly versus the PDF? Yeah, I think we, you know, we've done some stuff I can't really get into the details on, to be honest with you, but the... Um, the, the drive there for sure is, is to make it, you know, more mobile available and accessible, um, mm -hmm. whether that, whatever the tactic is, um, I can't mm -hmm. talk to the investment in that, but certainly, you know, highly aware and, and definitely cognizant, um, of, of some of those publishers now more than ever and, and how they're getting their traffic, which affects us. Have you seen those similar consumption shifts on your own domains as well on Accenture.com? Um, it, it really depends. And I'm sorry to be evasive about that answer too, but you know, no. it really depends on how much of a, uh, you know, wh which audiences we're talking about. Right. So yeah. Distribution strategy. Yeah. And the recruitment side is just so large for us um, that it's, it's, <laughs> it, it skews things quite a bit uh, in terms of uh, consumption. So, Imagine, you know, you're in India, um, you know, there might be a much higher mobile, you know, access just in general. And, you know, we obviously hire a lot of folks, um, you know, in, in that country and, and would, would see a lot of that traffic coming in via mobile. But if you're looking at a client audience, mm -hmm. you might have a different mix. So it, it really just depends. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So the last couple of questions here, um, I, I ask uh, you to put your uh, your your future looking uh, glasses on, um, which I think probably a, a lot of content leaders are doing this right now. When you think about your team and uh, the structure of it um, and the tactics that you're currently using, how do you see that evolving uh, in the next six to, well, let's say maybe a little further out, maybe 12 to 18 months. Like what are some of the trends that you're looking to capitalize on? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, I mean, I definitely, you know, the push into audio, as they started to say, I think that's not new for anybody that's <laughs> been alive for the last five years. Uh, I do 
Mm-hmm. So, um, particularly in the, uh, you know, sales enablement space and in a couple of other spaces, we're, you know, looking at other ways to use video um, in more interactive ways um, and, and thinking about how we can, uh, you know, use video as an entry point, but not as the only engagement that you have with it and really moving from passive to active. Um, so mm-hmm. we're definitely exploring. I think that'll become a bigger part of, of you know, certainly what we're testing. I don't know if that's going to be a, an industry trend or not. Um, you know, I think those are the, the, the two areas. Um, and then the third one, which, you know, I, I just, I know we've been talking about this one for a while, but I do think it's kind of closer in with, with a lot of the evolution of the social nets and chatbot usage and all that kind of stuff is really the marketing as a service, you know, space. Um, so h- how do you use, uh, you know, c- content packaged in service oriented uh, engagements um, to distribute it and to get people to sort of opt into it. Um, I think it's Mm -hmm. someone to go to a website, really even harder to get them to go twice. So what are some ways that we can provide sort of marketing as a service to those, to those end uh, users? Yeah. To deliver it into uh, a a location or a place where they already are, but with the right message. Um, well, more specifically, you know, is there is there a need that they have? I'm making this up, but you know, we know clients love you know love to sound smart in meetings, and they they often are briefing. You know, they they might have done a great work at prepping themselves, but you know, is there a moment in time where we can give them, without them having to come to us, you know, a, a briefing on a particular topic they care about? Can we give them a couple of nuggets, <laughs> you know, just so that they sound smart? Yeah. Right. I'm making this up, but you know, th- there's could be these in between moments that are underserved, but we provide them packaged as a service versus just saying we're going to pay to promote some content to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that is interesting. Um, I like that idea. Um, great. I mean, Mark, this has been a a a. a very interesting conversation. I think again, your background and just the mechanics of, of how you operate in a company as large as Accenture is is very interesting. I think the audience will will really appreciate it. Um, any closing thoughts or anything you want to plug uh, as we uh, as we sign off? No, no, not really. I mean, just you know, keep keep plugging away. If if you guys have uh, <laughs> any insight that you'd like to share, I'm all ears. I think we're all learning. Uh, every one of us in the industry and. Uh, you know, there's no magic, there's no silver bullet at this point. It's just uh, learn and learn and learn. So appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Um, I'm sure uh, listeners can find you on LinkedIn if they have any direct questions. Um, and uh, thank you again for uh, being on the show. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pros and Content. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mark Appel, the Managing Director of Global Brand Content at Accenture. Mark's point about bringing the business at large into the content planning and measurement process as early as possible is incredibly important. The visibility he offered made the business that funds the marketing organization feel more involved with both the creation and success of the content strategy, and clearly created a stronger partnership throughout the process. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, you can find me at rayatnotch.com. Visit us at prosandcontent.co to find more amazing content about, well, content. And tune in next time.